Hello and welcome to episode 173 of the Saints Score podcast. If you're here, you know we talk about everything going on at Southampton Football Club. As hoping this season officially returns to the Saints, where they're back to the bottom of the Premier League. But a draw against Manchester United and three clean sheets in four means we could possibly be on the up very soon. My name's Harry Tizard. I'm with Ollie Bose and Mikey Maidment this week. No Jamie, but like I said, Ollie returns. How are you doing this week? I'm doing well. I came back from holiday, had a bit of uh, winter sun. I didn't really tan. <laughs> I spent a week of the sun that I just don't tan. I, I mean, I don't know if we've got the video on for this one, but if you're listening on, on audio, I just basically gained freckles. I don't know if, you, if you're looking on video now, if I'm looking olive skinned, but no, I'm basically just white as a sheep like normal. Um, but yeah, I went to Egypt, which was cool. Uh, Egyptians only know two cities in the UK, which is Liverpool and London, because of the two Egyptian players that, that are there, which is Salah and El Neni, I think, plays for Arsenal, who's Egyptian. So yes, let Mikey give me their approval. Uh, which maybe I can't think of any Saints player who's been Egyptian and played for Saints. I was trying to rack my brains, but I genuinely just don't think there has been one. Maybe someone made like two appearances or something. Maybe email us. If you know an Egyptian Saints player, let us know. But I have absolutely no idea. Mikey's shaking his head as well, so... Who knows? <laughs> I, I have no idea. No, yeah, I, no, I don't I, know either. I couldn't, but... I couldn't tell you if an Egyptian would play for Southampton. No, but if they do, Harry, socials, what are the socials? Can they send At them the in? the Saints underscore score. That's always the best place. So, you know, find out what we're doing. That's on, on Twitter as well. Mikey, how are you doing this week? I'm doing well. Uh, started some work uh, at the start of the week, which is quite good. I've become a first team scout for Lincoln City, which is quite nice. Um, but yeah, so lots of watching football, lots and lots of watching football this week, which has been, I mean, enjoyable to to say the least. Um, but yeah, no, it's been been a good week and rounded off with a very good result at the weekend. Even though we are bottom of the league again, hmm. draw at Old Trafford in any circumstance you take, and especially keeping a clean sheet there. So yeah, happy with the result at the weekend. So if Saints get relegated and Lincoln get promoted, would you just not be on the Lincoln preview podcast? You know, not not dishing <laughs> out any sort of information. Uh, I, I I don't know to be honest. I'd, I'd have to have a conversation about that. But it's yeah. fine. We're yeah. staying up, and they're probably <laughs> staying down because they're not. I don't think they're in the promotion mix this season. But we Got are in the relegation mix. Yeah, maybe. You <laughs> never know. Maybe because you're there. Maybe, maybe next season, that's when their promotion push really hits. Hopefully, we'll still be in the Prem, though, so it wouldn't matter. Like you said, nil-nil at Old Trafford. Probably one of the more entertaining nil-nil draws we could have won, but we also could have lost chances at both ends. Ollie, what are your thoughts on the game? Um, Yeah, it was... It's Like you said, it was end-to-end. It felt like it went on for ages because the amount of chances that were going, I remember at like 75 minutes just like feeling complete, like almost so drained because I was like, there's so many chances flying everywhere. Um, but yeah, it was, it's, you would have taken a point at the start of the game. I, I, I've written it down here that a draw with a clean sheet, we definitely would have taken, but it was just the kind of circumstances in which it finished. It felt like we had a real chance to capitalise and um, Sellers was really kind of adamant in the press conference after that he felt the same way. He felt like that second half, we should have, we should have won. So, um, yeah, it feels a slight slight kind of mischance, but also I'm kind of proud that we, we got a point and a clean sheet as well. That feels like a good um, 
another thing to build on, which I think is really important in this situation that we're in. We need to kind of continue to build confidence. So uh, I still take it as a positive, but yeah, it does look like we could have we could have got those three points, which would have been massive. But uh, yeah, I I still think it. I still think it's a, a good result uh, in the end. Ollie talks about us gaining a point, Mikey, against a 10-man Manchester United team that were faltering at times as well. Obviously lost to Liverpool 7-0, but did crush Betis during the week. We had chances, but they also had some really good opportunities as well. Bazunium, a couple of really crucial saves. Do you see it as a point gained, two drops, or somewhere in the middle? I, I think it's a point gained. I don't think many people coming into this weekend thought that we were going to pick something up at Old Trafford. Even with them losing 7-0, we know that it uh, it's a blip for them. They've been really solid over this year. They've been, well, I, I think you said last week, 25 games unbeaten at, at, at that stage before the Liverpool game. So you're talking about a really top team that even in a race with Arsenal and Man City and how far away they've been, they still had a chance, like a couple of weeks ago, they still had a chance of wriggling into that title race. So they are a very, very good side. Um, and and, a, and to be able to come away with a point is is very good, even, even in the circumstances of Casemiro going down to 10 men. I mean, we've had our fair share of experiences of not being able to beat nine men or, 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 hmm. like, or like losing to 10 men against Wolves a couple of weeks ago. So... For us to show that fight and desire and trying to take advantage of United, but doing it in the right way and, and keeping a clean sheet and keeping defensively disciplined. And United didn't really have a, a big, big chance. You could talk about Varane's from the Fernandez's free kick, where he's he had a chance just inside the six-yard box on the volley, but Bazunu saved really well. Fernandez's shot that Bazunu's tipped onto the post as well. You can talk about Rashford had a couple of times that he could break through, but... Apart from that, we've we've become quite a solid side and I mean three clean sheets in our last four and Bazunu making the saves that he wasn't making earlier on in the season. You can tell there's just been a little bit of a lift around the club. And um yeah, a, a, a fantastic unfortunately it could have been four if if not for the mistake down at Leeds, it could have been four clean sheets and four and we'd be absolutely flying. So yeah, and uh, I think I said before this game, as long as we win our own games and draw in away games, like you keep in there. That's what your your survival specialists from ten years ago did, like the Allardyces and the Pardews. They made sure you drew games, and that's the important thing. We come away with something from this game, which is more than we can say for majority of the games we played this year. And before this game in the previous podcast, I sort of looked at it as a free here. Old Trafford, a really really tough place to go. But Ollie, did that change slightly with Saturday's results? Bournemouth, Everton, them both getting really good you no know, wins at home. And also, you look, you look at Leeds. They got a really good point against Brighton as well. So, was the was the mindset of this game slightly changed from what it was before? I think the fans expected more. I definitely saw online people seeing these big shocks, upsets, if you will, from teams around us, and kind of saying this is more important that we get something, and we did, which is it keeps us still in contention. It means other teams aren't kind of pulling away. And I think teams in the relegation zone will have these odd odd times when they cause an upset, like like the Bournemouth was a real... I did not see that coming at all. I kind of expected Liverpool to kind of totally outclass them and, and put them to bed, but that wasn't the case. And I think every team in the relegation zone will have a kind of shock result like that. Um... 
But it's one of those ones I don't think you need to get carried away with it and think, oh my God, we must win against um, Man United. That's just not realistic. Sometimes these things happen. You just need to sometimes focus on yourself and continue our good form or continue to build up our form rather and then try and focus less on the noise outside, I think. Well, let's focus on Southampton now. Only one change for the team that played against Manchester United. Ainsley Maitland-Niles out due to injury and Carl Walker-Peters in. But someone that shows, you know, really bright sparks during the game, but also beforehand as well was Theo Walcott. He had two really good chances, one with a header in the first half and one with a slightly difficult one-on-one chance. Maybe if he had the pace that he did a couple of years ago against Arsenal when he scored at the Emirates, he might have been able to do the same, but sadly not this time. Mikey. Do you feel like he's been inspired under Sellers? It feels like he could be a really key player in this running. I think he had something different. I think I think that's that's what Theo Walcott can bring is someone who will create width, which is something that we've lacked all season. With under Ralph earlier on in the year, we weren't we weren't creating width because we were playing attacking midfielders as wingers, and they wanted to drift inside more. And because we were so defensively skewed. We were having Walker Peters playing on the right side as our only width on the right, and then we weren't creating anything on the left, and we were becoming very, very one-sided. Under Jones, it became a bit of a mess. Like it, hmm. it was like you know when Mark Hughes came in and he started the um, after saving relegation, he um, started the season, and we played a three-back for the entirety of preseason, and the first game of the season it didn't work, and we switched to a four-four-two, and no one really know what knew what was going on. It was a bit of a mess. That's what Jones sort of reminded me of is no one really knew what was going on so I think Sells has simplified things a little bit more we're playing with two wingers we're not playing with inside inside players or players that are going to look to drift inside as tens instead and we're going to have to crow their two wingers Walcott and Salamana that's our width that's how we're going to create width in the side and I think it's it's good. I think it's good. It simplifies the play a lot more. Walcott is natural on that right-hand side. I know throughout his career he was going, no, I'm more of a striker than a winger. Um, but if he was more of a striker, he may have finished the chances off in, in, in mm-hmm. the game. I don't know. Um, but no, his sort of instinct to be in the box and, and be a threat in the box is something we also haven't had. So him getting in those situations is really, really good. And it, it is a shame that he didn't score because those two chances he created himself getting in those positions, I mean, being one-on-one with De Gea, it's just a shame he couldn't finish them off. I mean, the game was going really, really well. And then United, they went down to 10 men. Casemiro with a, a strong challenge on our crowds. Oli, was it deserving of a straight red card? I think so. I mean, I might be slightly biased as a Saints fan, <laughs> but when I saw it, the the key things that come out for me is the fact it's a high challenge, it's over the ball, it's lunging and he's off his feet. And for me, those are three main factors in the fact that that's the reason why it got called to be taken a look at again. He's then looked at it on the screen and I know every challenge looks bad when you slow it down, but you see the contact point and it's above above the ball, it's high on the leg and that could cause a major injury if if it's another day. If it goes a slightly different way, that could cause a real damage to Alcaraz. Thankfully, he was fine. And um, Casemiro was obviously quite upset with himself because now he's got four match suspension that he's got to serve. And Alcaraz was almost straight back up to his feet to kind of console um, Casemiro. But yeah, on another day, that could have been a horrible challenge and we could see Alcaraz not walking off the pitch at that point. So I think it was a dangerous challenge. Excuse me. Um, 
And uh, I think he was out of control and I think it was reckless. So there's been a lot of people saying online that, oh, funny enough from a lot of Man United fans, saying that it wasn't a red, but I think it was a red. I think it was, if it was the other way around, they would have been saying it was dangerous and reckless. And um, yeah, for me, it, it's nothing other than a red. A lot of those. I think I think you can say that he was slightly unfortunate due to the fact that his the, his boot hits the top of the ball. But I think also so when he when the boot hits the ball, it ricochets up slightly, and I think he goes higher than than what his original trajectory was. However, mm. if your boot is hitting the top of the ball, that's still quite high. You're talking yeah. about around about ankle range. So even then you're talking about it's probably going to be a, a, a hit on his ankle and may cause an ankle break or, or or a rotation or something like that down there. So, yeah, I, I'm in complete agreement. I think it probably was a red card at the end of the day. And you talk about the type of tackle. I think a lot of Manchester United fans were possibly annoyed because the day before, I think it was two minutes into Leicester versus Chelsea and Pereira went high on Jao Felix and that wasn't given as a red card. But Mikey, just because one challenge isn't given as a red, even though it was the same referee, I think it was the VAR for one game and the normal ref for this one or the other way around, I can't quite remember. It doesn't mean that A, he can either change his mind or B, that that individual tackle wasn't worth a red card because I think it was. I think the overall issue with like carding people especially is that people always say you don't want to do it too early in the game. And it's sort of like it shouldn't, in my opinion, it shouldn't really matter if it's the first minute or the 90th whether a challenge should be carded in a different way. Because we, um, because with that Leicester game, the argument probably is well, you're two minutes into the game, you don't want to ruin the game of football because you sent a man off two minutes in. However, it's a challenge that should be punished by a sending off, it should be punished by a sending off. I think that's the issue. I don't think I don't think Casemiro's challenge was wrong. I think the Pereira one probably was in the fact that it's a high challenge and only because it's two minutes into the game, I think he's got away with it and he's got quite lucky. I, I think with many instances throughout the weekend, you can argue one way or the another. You look at Nick Pope's um, mess up in goal for the Newcastle game against Wolves, the late kickoff on Sunday. And he has obviously checked, body checked the man. He's lost the ball, body checked the man, and he's got away with no red card and no penalty. And there's there's decisions throughout the weekends that if you take it from subjectivity or like the way that the ref can view it, then probably on one hand you can say, yeah, those decisions are correct. But on the other, you you got VAR there to say actually no, the challenge is high. Like the guys, the guys obviously not putting a good challenge and i think it can be used i mean did you see um did you see x this is southampton topic because it's ex- <laughs> harry lewis did you see what he did in the bradford city game yeah no yeah he got so bradford city ground share with the rugby team so they had the rugby lines on the pitch and he managed to get the edge of his 18 yard box confused with the, like, I think it was like the <laughs> 21 line on the rugby pitch or something like that. So he's come out of his goal, claimed the ball and looked down and the 18 yard box is about two yards behind him. <laughs> and he, he got away with it. He got a booking instead of a red card, which on oh, any wow. other day, that's a red card, but the referee had sympathy for him and gave him a yellow. And I can't remember who the opposition was, but they were seething at it. He's like, he's handled <laughs> the ball outside the box. Yeah, like it's usually a red card, but yeah, you got you got lucky with that That's one. Amazing. When you said the rugby pitch, I thought you were going to say like channeled his inner like rugby tackle and just like <laughs> just fell and went into someone. No, okay. That's amazing though. I did not. I'm gonna to have to Google that because I I didn't see that. At all. It, it is quite an extraordinary clip. Yeah. It is quite <laughs> good. 
I've been there playing a five-a-side game once before, so I can completely <laughs> stole Harry Lewis and Sympathise. <laughs> Ollie, I'm going to go back to you for some controversy. Two penalties that United feel that they should have got. One against Carl Walker-Peters, one against Bella Kotchap. Either of those for you a penalty or correctly waved away? I don't even think the... I think the Carl Walker-Peters one was an excellent challenge. I don't, I don't think it was really a penalty shout. I've... I, someone's found some angle where it looks like he hasn't got the ball. I think it's a brilliant challenge. Uh, so I don't think that was a penalty at all, let alone, yeah, a uh, uh, foul. Um, the Bella Kotchap one, it, it's a loss of footing and he slipped and it's basically hit his hand as he's gone down, which is a tough one. I felt a bit, I had a bit of a stomach drop when I saw it because I was like, it has hit his hand and stopped the ball moving. The only problem is that he's, going down that way and he's kind of breaking his fall with his hand so can he do much about it not not really it doesn't feel like it's intentional but then the subjectivity of the the movement of the hand and defensive actions versus attacking it feels like we've done this a lot and it's just the it wasn't clear and obvious for it to get checked um so i think it just kind of got waved away the the referee on the on-field decision didn't notice or didn't deem it strong enough to to award it, and I don't think it was too much of an error for it to be overturned. So I think it just got waved away, and it's the decision of the on-field referee at the end of the day. Um, yeah, it's a 50-50 one. Um, I was a little bit worried when I saw the replays, but it got waved off, and yeah, maybe we're a little bit lucky, but I don't think it was a, a blaring, obvious mistake, so it went on unchallenged. I think that's where you can sort of bring in, like, you know, when you get your ex-professional saying, well, he didn't mean to handball it. It's sort of like, with the letter of the law, it doesn't matter if he means mm. to or not. But that one feels like he's gone, well, he slipped over. And, like, I think they were saying on the ref watch on Sky that it hit his chest before it hit his arm. So, technically, it's deflection. It's not actually a, um, a, a move, like, the ball got deflected onto his arm. It's not like him hitting his arm exactly as it was. Um, but yeah, I think it would have been harsh if it was given. But then also, on the other hand, if you're a Man United fan, you go, well, the ball's at his arm. Mm. Like, that's now a penalty. <laughs> so, yeah, I can see it from either way. And, and yeah, I, I think the slip and the fact that it made contact with the chest instead of the arm first has sort of let Bella Kochak get away with that. Well, McTominay was close to scoring an own goal. James Ward-Prowse hit the bar with another very, very good free kick. We also talked about the Walcott one-on-one and the Bazunu save against Fernandez. Ollie, would you say a point is probably about fair? Because that's where I landed. I thought they could have scored, we could have scored. It's one of those games, I think a point's probably a fair result. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, we had the more chances, but you'd expect that with a team with an extra man. And Man United just proved now and again that they did just have that burst of world-class quality they did have attacking moves that looked so dangerous and especially the subs that came on young young lads young players coming on Palestri and Garnacho who are just ooze quality really dangerous I felt for Carl Walker-Peters when he's played 75 minutes absolutely played his heart out and then he sees like Garnacho come on up against him or something like that but defended well and um, kept the clean sheet and like you say um, Bruno had that Shot that got pushed onto the post. Um, really good save from Bazunu. Again, just showing that they have that quality out of nowhere. He just kind of rifles off a shot and almost goes bottom corner. Um, yeah, I think it's a fair fair assessment. Uh, points were shared and it, it, it seems about right. 
Ollie mentioned there we had more chances. I think we had 17 shots in total. Weren't quite able to get it in the back of the net. But like I said, three clean sheets and four as well. An all-action performance, Mike. Is this the sort of performance that we need that we, we can push on for the rest of the season? A lot of times we've got draws or maybe got a win, but it's not been the best win. It's not been the best draw. It's been a bit scrappy, whereas the performance itself is something you can build on and go into the next game against Brentford. Yeah, I mean, like out of since Cells took over, that's the first time that we've like in like we've had a greater XG than the opposition did. Uh, of course, you're talking about ten men and and all that sort of stuff. But uh, I think the performance was good. I think the way that the players conducted themselves were good. Um, uh, I think it always becomes an issue, and Cells was talking about it after the after the game is that. We're still not getting shots off in good areas. We're getting one, maybe two opportunities in really quality areas, and we're not taking them. And then sometimes we just struggle to get there and like completely. I think what six of our shots were inside the box out of the seventeen that we had. So a lot of them are going from longer range. And yeah, you can score from longer range, but there's a lower percentage chance from them. Um, I think that's got to be key. I mean, we're getting we're getting defensively solid now. We're we're, we're looking better defensively, and we're we're being able to keep these clean sheets that we haven't been throughout the entirety of the season. Uh, but it's definitely the other end now is something that we have to we have to find a way of of getting a balance between the both both of them and 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 try and start scoring some goals. Because um, what we've got two goals in our last four, three clean sheets in our last four. Like we don't want to go one way and not the other so yeah i think keeping that threat that we've got up there and we've got players who will cause a threat and will will be something um some problems but i don't even know if chad adams had a shot during the game i think that's he probably did if we had 17 of them you'd hope he did yeah he had one one blocked shot um throughout the game and if he's if you're getting 17 shots and your striker's only taken one of them i think that's something that you probably have to have to change something in your play in the attacking third to be able to create a better opportunity for your striker to take more shots at goal. Well, United's behind us, and now we need to look forward to Brentford. We've got 12 games left this season, but eight of them are against the top nine in the Premier League, which is a little bit scary. Brentford, well, they lost to Everton 1-0 the, on the weekend, which meant their 12-game unbeaten run is over, so hopefully they'll be a bit down in the dumps. Oli, how important is this game at St Mary's? Yeah, it's it's massive considering how disappointing the Brentford game was the last time we played them. It'll be a real opportunity for the players to show themselves and show how they've moved on from that previous game. Because I, I think that Brentford game was a real low point in the season. It just seemed like we were completely outclassed by a team that hadn't been in the league as long as us, but had got their recruitment right, got a clear sense of identity, all the things that we hadn't done. It just had a stark contrast, really. So... Hopefully the players can kind of prove themselves and take that kind of get a bit of retribution for that that previous game. Um, and it's a team that is like you said. There's there's some teams that we're playing that are top top European teams. These are ones that are slightly more closer to us in our skill level, in our size, in our expenditure. It's something that they're a closer target, and we should be putting up a good fight against them. So. It is a real opportunity. It's midweek. There could be changes. There could be um, people who lack on fitness. There could be injuries that occur. These are all things that happen near the end of the season because all these games get crammed in and they all need to get rescheduled. So, um, yeah, it's a bit of one. We don't know exactly what's going to happen. 
But yeah, it, it should be an interesting one. And I am really hopeful because, again, it's another season-defining game. It's one that pick up pick up a good result and it, it really changes things. You look how close the the teams are in that bottom five, six, seven now. It's all so condensed. There's five, six points between bottom and 14th. It's so close that any any big result like this could cause like a major change in the in the league. So yeah, like I say, really important game. We've talked about a lot of factors there and how close the Premier League is. I believe a win because of how the fixtures land would mean that we're outside the relegation zone. Mikey, do you feel the the players will be feeling the pressure of this game that the hard work over the last month or so after a really difficult three months under Jones has led to this moment where Three points on the table, we're outside the relegation zone. Even though we would have played a game or two more than the teams below us, that's a statement. I think you, you do go, well, one win takes us out of the relegation zone, but with how we know results can go, I, I think even a point from this game is good. Like we, we just need That's what we need to start doing. At the end of the day, we need to start picking up points, whether it's a draw or a win. It, it doesn't really matter. We need points on the board. And I think against the Brentford side who have done fantastically again this year to to be where they are with with the budget that they have is is fantastic for them. Uh, Ivan Tony again has been a, a wonderful goal scorer. They, he scored something like 38% of their goals this year have just come through Ivan Tony, 15 goals this season. And that's that's what you get when you get a striker who can score goals. You, you get a good chance of doing well in the league. Um, of course, they're they're like the statistical anomaly with with Fulham this year, where they're where they're performing over what is expected. Um, but I don't I don't think it should be a case of oh if we don't win the game with that. Like I don't think it needs to be that big of an occasion because there's still plenty of games left over. Yeah, you look at the rest of the fixtures and you see Brentford as a name as a more winnable game, but. You take a point here and then here and there, like you see Liverpool slipping up against against teams around them. Anyone can beat anyone on their day, which again is a horrible phrase that I don't like, but that hmm. is exactly <laughs> exactly what it can be. So if if we can pick up a point at home against Brentford, it's another game where we haven't lost it. It continues this unbeaten streak that we've got. We've take it to like three uh, or like four in our last five, non-defeated, and something that the boys can say, like, we haven't done that the entire year. So let's let's continue that streak of trying to keep these results being positive instead of losing a game. Um, not to say that we don't go to this game and try and win it and we just sort of park the bus, but be sensible. Don't throw the kitchen sink at it. If we win the game, fantastic. We're out of the bottom three. If we don't win it, not the end of the world. We've got plenty of games left to pick up these points and let's just keep keep getting those points needed to be able to drag ourselves out of the situation we put ourselves in. Plenty of games, but only half as many home games, Ollie. Do you feel like good performances at home, points, maybe one, maybe three, that's the foundation of your success. You know, you look at Everton under Sean Dyche. They've picked up quite a few wins at home. Arsenal, Leeds, uh, Brentford as well. So that's nine points they've, they've accumulated just from being at home. Bournemouth, like I said, against Liverpool, Leeds, Ellen Road. Javi Gracia, point against, uh, three points against, against us, one against Brighton. And now we've beaten Leicester. Do you feel like the players will have a feeling that this... Home hoodoo, whatever it was, it doesn't exist. And we've got a good chance of getting points again. That's exactly, I, was, I was just about to say, picking up a home result will do wonders because it means the fans have finally seen a win at home and they were getting really restless, really tired of it. 
Um, and it was a real hostile atmosphere, which is going to happen because in, in both sense, the fans are going to be expecting to finally see a win. The players feel like they've got that kind of monkey on their back and they they can't get past the the kind of rut that they're in. But we finally got past that. And hopefully it means there will be because you do get a naturally more kind of positive vibe at home. But the problem is when you've been consistently losing at home, it quickly turns. I think the fans, now that they've seen that win, now they almost know we can win at home. Um, they'll be kind of they'll, they'll be behind the fans, and we have a really good atmosphere. The first twenty minutes of games are normally electric at home because the fans do really raise the raise the volume, raise the the noise in that stadium, and get the players going. We always used to say under um, all the different managers that we we used to be really good for those first twenty minutes, but that's because the fans lift them; they give them that energy. So. Yeah, I think, like you say, it'd be really important to try and use that energy from the fans to try and start converting that into results. And we know we're past the rut of the kind of losing streak at home as well. So a bit of confidence, a bit of uh, fan support, and it, it could uh, could do us wonders. Well, we're talking about the possibility of getting points, but the way we do that is beating Brentford. It's as simple as that. Mikey, how do we beat them? How can we you know, deconstruct their defence? How we, how we can take away their powers? Give away as few set pieces as you possibly can. That that's one <laughs> major, major thing. Something that we've been better at. We've we've been much better at in the last couple of games. We've been much better at defending the set pieces um, that we've conceded uh, by conceding less of them, um, which is which is a very very strong step. And we know Brentford, really really good team from set pieces. I think they've scored ten this year. Seven of them from corner situations. One of them going in against us with Ben Mee scoring. Um, at the Brentford Community Stadium, is that right? Am, am I right in uh, saying? Yeah, well, that? yeah. Technically, the the sponsorship it's the G Tech, but Brentford will do. Cool. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I got an approval. Um, but yeah, no. So keeping set pieces away from them, we know how key they are to Brentford's game. So that's really, really important. Winning that aerial duel is is also very key as well. The defense have to be switched on. We know Brentford like to go from back to front very, very quickly um, and effectively. And they've got players who can do that. Ivan Tony being one of them who's already been mentioned, really, really strong threat in the air. Also has quite a good turn of speed as well. So even he can get in behind. But even players like Visser and people like that getting in behind in Buemo can be real, real threats for him. Um, but yeah, like may, maybe not go as intensely as pressing as them but playing almost i don't know if the mid block term is is out there as much as it can be but playing a mid block and and letting brentford play the ball out defense might be quite key for us um to 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 sort of allow them to play and to keep structurally strong i think I, I wouldn't see much rotation between the team that started at man united against the team that started uh, that will start against brentford but yeah, those are sort of your key aspects. Is is winning that first battle as a defense? You've got to be strong. You've got you've got to win that, um, and not let them in behind you. But also win it sensibly. Don't keep giving away fouls. Don't keep giving away chances for them to get a dead ball set situation. Because you know how good Janssen is at swinging the ball into the box. You know how much of a threat these players are in in, in the air, and you you it will cause problems for us. Right, score prediction time for Brentford at home. Ollie, what are you going to say? I don't think it'll be a high scoring affair. Hopefully, at least, because I think it will be. I think it will be cagey. I think there'll be some tired legs. 
Um, I think there'll be some early substitutions. Uh, I think I'd take a one-all. I, th- I think we'd lose the, the clean sheet. We would concede a goal, but it'd be a draw. Um, yeah, I'll go for that. Uh, Ollie's heart can't take a high-scoring game, but I'm going to go 2-2. I'm going to double his result. And it's going to be entertaining. Mikey, Ooh. what are you going to say? Um, I'll probably say a 1-0 win at home. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Ooh. I think it'll be tight. I think, again, it'll be a cagey game that... Um, that will be it, it won't be fun to watch. I will be there, so it won't be fun to watch. <laughs> um, but hopefully, fingers crossed, we can keep another clean sheet and just get squeeze the result across the line like we did against Leicester. But hopefully a little bit more convincing. That's what I'm hoping for. Right, the third and final game that we're going to talk about is Tottenham. Both of us, we don't really want to be playing this game due to the fact that we lost to Grimsby and they lost to Sheffield United. So both of us got embarrassed and now we have to play in the Premier League. Ollie, hmm. what are your thoughts coming to this one? Tottenham have been a bit hit and miss recently. You know, lost to AC Milan, had a couple of difficult results before that loss to Wolves in the league, but they picked it up slightly. 3-1 win against Nottingham Forest at home means they're, they're not to be messed with. What, what are your thoughts going into this? Well, I have the good fortune of living with... Um... Uh, Spurs fan and I kind of asked him I said what what do you think will happen and he said we've just been terrible recently <laughs> he's really not confident and he said uh, I asked funny enough I asked for his score prediction and he thinks they're going to draw with us which is a real worrying sign if they think they've got their quality players and they can't even get a win against us so um, yeah I don't think Spurs are, are holding much confidence um, from my limited scouting report um, Oliver Skip apparently has been quite good in centre midfield, so that's one to look out for. Um, ben Davies has come in as a left wing back, I believe. Yes, thumbs up from Mikey. I'm doing his job for him. Uh, and apparently he's been quite good at left wing back. So yeah, maybe have a look at Ben Davies running down the wing. Um, obviously, fret with Harry Kane. He's just Mr. Consistent now, isn't he? Just always uh i don't know what his score tally is now but i think he's been slightly outshadowed by harlan getting this massive goals tally but kane is having an unbelievable season like he always does just consistently scoring so um yeah another one to watch for there i guess um but yeah what do i what do i expect uh, with spurs you never know do you they could be awful they could be brilliant um I'm hoping they don't turn up. They've had a lot of behind-the-scenes drama as well. I don't know. Did you guys see the Conte Richarlison thing where he, he called him out for his terrible season? And then, um, yeah, I, I strange bad management there, I guess. Will, will that get a reaction out of him or will he act badly? I'm not sure. But it all seems quite dramatic at Spurs. There's never a, a, a dull day, is there? Um, what do I think? Uh, I don't know. Let me get, let me get back onto topic. <laughs> Right, we'll get back onto topic. I go to Mikey. You look at Brentford, you look at Tottenham. Which game do you sort of feel like you could take priority? Can you take priority in a, in a relegation battle? Is there a game that you could target? Right, we need to play our full team for this one because three games, eight days, that's a lot to take in. I don't think you prioritise. You just go, all right, we've, we've played this game. Now, we, what, we've played... Man United on the weekend, we got a really good result there. We go and play on Wednesday night. What's the best team can we put out there? I don't think it's priority over, this is our first team, this is our reserve team, we're going to play the lesser players against Brentford because they're not as well known, they're not as high up in the league table, they're not as performing quite as well at the moment. 
I think you just go right. We've got eleven. Who, who's available for the game? Who's got little knocks? Who's got who's got little injuries that we have to sort out? Who's available? Who's the best eleven? And then you move on to Tottenham and you go, okay, play Wednesday night. We got a game on Saturday. Who's our best eleven? Who can we put out there? Who are the best players? at the moment to play out there. So I don't think it's the case of, oh, we've got to rotate just because it's a midweek game because you've got players like Ward Prowse who can play through 100 games in a week. Like he, mm-hmm. he will just keep running and running and running and running and he'll be fine. But you've got other players who are coming back from injury, maybe a little bit more delicate. They do have to be rotated. So who is the best 11 and who can we play? Uh, I think is, is probably the most important point to, to, to go into the game with. Oli, do you echo that, that there's you can't really target a game? But at the same time, I think it was Anton Ferdinand that was on Sky Sports during the week, and he said, when you're getting good results or when you're winning, players don't really feel that tiredness because they want to go into the next game. They want to prove themselves once again. It's when you're losing, you can feel those tired legs. They're a bit heavier than usual, and then you have to play another game and then another game. Yeah, I think it's absolutely right. And if you're on a winning streak, the only thing you want to do is play football and continue playing football. You have that positive energy that lifts everyone. And yeah, everyone just wants to continue that form. If you're in a bad losing streak, oh, suddenly that hamstring feels a bit tight and you're not playing, oh, I let someone else play for the week or whatever. There's not that competitive energy to keep your place or whatever. It all feels a bit negative. So where we are at the moment, I think players want to try and prove themselves, keep their position. Someone like Phil Walcott's been really successful in, like you say, like we mentioned previously, He's done well. He's want to con- he want to continue that and improve himself as a kind of first team starter in the final few games of the season. So there will be that kind of competitive edge. And I think is Walcott going to put his hand up and say, "Oh no, I don't actually want to play this one." No, he's going to say, "I, I want to play. I want to continue being a, a starter for this team." So um, I think you you put your like Mikey. I think Mikey put it brilliant. You put the the strongest team you can play, and. Um, take take the energy, take the result out of, of what you get from getting your best team to play, really. As a former Arsenal man as well, I think he'd love to you know, get the decisive goal against Tottenham. Before we do the score predictions, Mikey, what's your scout report on Tottenham? How can we break them down? How can we get any points on the board? Well, there's been a lot of talk about Tottenham just being boring, really, for the entirety of the season. Yet they've only got three draws in the entirety of the season, which is just quite fun uh so they usually just win or lose and, and unfortunately it's not been as much a winning as tottenham would hope that they did uh i think your main point when you talk about tottenham is harry kane he's he's already been bought up he's 20 goals this year he's having an unbelievable season again and and, and just he's got so much to his direct game he'll he'll drop deep he'll get involved he'll spread play he'll almost play like a playmaker and then he's got that ability to then go into the box and be a number nine or he's got that ability to drift wide and cut inside and have a shot on his right foot and bend it into the top corner he can basically do whatever you ask him to he's an unbelievable player um and yeah so with with that you, 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 how do you try and stop it? That that's your big question. <laughs> um, I think I think the main way you try and stop it is you cut the supply. You, you try and you try and like I was saying about Brentford. Let's try and step off them. Let's try and get on top of them. Let's try and see how good they are playing out the back um, as a back three. Let's see how good they are um, trying to move the ball because they don't move the ball at pl- at pace. They're not a team that like to ping the ball around like City and Arsenal do. It's quite a slow demeanour that Tottenham put on the game. And then they sort of explode. 
But like when you talk about like the key players, Son's had a really disappointing season. He's only scored six this year, and after what time for the Golden Boot last year? I mean, I'm just saying for the XG people that he outperformed <laughs> his XG by about twelve or thirteen last year, and now he's underperforming it. It always comes back to the mean. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we'll <laughs> we'll see. We'll just see how they are. I mean, Christian Romero is always one for a for a booking and maybe ascending off as we saw in the Europa League during the week. So he might be someone to look out for as well. But again, it's a set piece thing. They've got the joint highest amount of goals scored from set pieces this year. So let's try and stop that happening. And the way that Tottenham usually do it is they'll hit a ball up to the front post, they'll knock it onto the back post and Harry Kane's there to knock it in. So let's try and win that first ball at the front post if we can, and then let's not leave Harry Kane free at the back post to just nip a header in. Mm. I think that's probably the best way of defending that set piece. But it's harder, harder. It's easy to say and harder to execute when you keep giving them away. So yeah, yeah. That, that's sort of what we see with the them. return of Fraser Forster in goal as well, isn't it? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is Hugo Lloris going to be Got fit that. for this game, or is or is it Fraser Forster? Fraser Forster off the back of saving a penalty as well, so he'll have confidence, Ooh. especially against a team that decided not to sign him on a new contract. So he'll have something to prove. And on that crossing thing, I think on the first day of the season against Spurs, I think we conceded three or all four goals against crosses as well. So that's something that we really do need to improve on. But score prediction time, I'm going to go for 2-1. I just I have memories of when Warprouse whipped that free kick in and I think Valerie scored the other goal in a, in a comeback win that we really, really needed. So I'm going to say it's going to be another one of those. Mikey, what do you think? Spurs have had, uh, they've had really mixed results down at St. Mary's over the last couple of years. They smashed us, what, 5-1 at the start of one year when we didn't know if Gareth Bale was going to be playing or not and we were really worried and turned out it didn't matter because uh, <laughs> Harry Kane got five goal contributions and we got absolutely ripped apart during lockdown. Um, and on the other hand, we've had like Harry Kane pulling his hamstring down at our place and us winning 1-0 through an own goal from Davidson Sanchez. So... There has been good results for us and, and um, poor results for Tottenham. Uh, also, Harry Kane's infamous penalty miss. I know they won 4-1, but I, the pitch moved and it couldn't have gone any <laughs> higher. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it will probably end up being a 1-1 or, or I can't see it being a, another exciting game. I think we're going to make it tense and Tottenham don't move the ball quickly enough. So, I think... I think overall we'll probably end up being a 1-1, maybe even a 0-0. Uh, but those are the sort of results that we need. So if we can pick up a point against Spurs, who are battling for a top four place, even though they've had a poor season, they're battling for the top four. I think that's something that we'll be very encouraged by. Yeah, I think Spurs are one of the teams that you don't really notice it when they win but when they have a really bad loss that's when you think flipping it they've had a, they've had another one but normally <laughs> they've done they've done okay these couple of weeks not so much ollie what do you think i was gonna go for a 2-2 two -two. i'd mix it up a bit yeah <laughs> yeah yes um yeah i was gonna go for that maybe a bit of a i could see them starting slowly and us grabbing a couple of like wicked deflections or something just like them chucking themselves in front of the the ball and it just dribbling into the back of the net somehow um, but yeah, maybe Fraser Forster flaps it across or something. Back post header, that'd be lovely. I'd love that. Uh, also, one thing on Fraser Forster, just before we wrap it up. Um, 
I saw on uh, online that apparently Fraser Forster is so much better than Larice playing out the back, and I thought, oh my god, how bad must Hugo Larice <laughs> be playing out the back that Fraser Forster looks like an improvement? Um, so who knows? Uh, have a look on Saturday, see if you see any liquid football being played by Fraser Forster playing out the back. Um, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess that that's not gonna happen, and um, I reckon it'll be a two-two. Oh, a two-two. That's what I like to hear. Right, yeah. that's three games talked about, two previewed and one reviewed. And like how we like to end the podcast from this point onwards is with a guess who, a bit of, you know, light at the end of, to be fair, what's been a, a pretty good podcast talking about some positive football. The answer is a former Saints player and the three clues are players that they've played with at some point. It could be after, it could be before, it could even be during. Um, and this week it's Eric Lamella, Oriol Romeu, and Harry Wilson. Those three players have played with one former Saint. And I give the boys some time to think. Is that Harry Wilson the last one? Yes. Current or former Saints player? Former. What are the names one more time? Uh, Eric Lamella, Oriol Romeu, and Harry Wilson. I've got three names, but I don't think any of them are right. Well, what's what's your most, you know, legitimate <laughs> guess? Would you? Say? Oh no, I don't want to say it. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> He's shy. He's all shy. <laughs> don't want to be wrong. Okay, there's there's one that makes sense, but I can't stick him with Eric Lamella. There's one that makes sense. Two of them, but I can't put them with Eric Lamella. Oh no, I can. I can't put them with Harry Wilson. Lamella. And then I've got one that's completely out of left field, and I can say it now because I know it's not right. Uh, Danny Osvaldo. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought I'd try it. See. Oh, I might have it. Is it? I think I've got it. You've jogged my memory. Can I have a guess? Yeah. Oh, I might have it. No. Right, I, right, can I go? Can I guess? Yeah. Guess. Is it Paolo Gazaniga? It is. Oh, yes! Oh, <laughs> oh why, is the, why is the camera not running? Ollie's just falling off his chair. He's on the floor, but he's got it right. Yes. I need, but I need to get my headphones. Hang on. Oh. <laughs> yes, I got one. I finally got one, boys. <laughs> oh, it's been so long, but I want to thank everyone who's waited for me I'm only to joking, get one. But it's not Gazaniga. Oh. That is, it is. Don't worry. Oh, don't do it. Don't toy with me like that, Harry. Oh, but can oh, you yeah. can you match them with each team just for a bit of fun? Um. Well, I assume when Mikey reminded me, well, I guess Argentina was some, I don't know, what, like when, when youth football was coming? Argentinian youth football? Is that. Uh, Gazaniga was at Spurs. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, it's just yeah. that Argentinian jogged my memory. I guess. He's also at Fulham. Fulham? Well. He's currently at Fulham, isn't he, or something like that? That's what I was. No. no but he, he was, was at Fulham. At Fulham. So yeah, he's at Fulham with Harry Wilson, and because obviously Harry Wilson's at Fulham at the moment, and he was with Oriol Mary with us, but also Girona, where he is ah. currently. Ooh. So those are the three players. Ollie has finally got one. I got one. <laughs> I, I feel it makes me I'm feel so, so pleased. Happy. 
Yeah. That, that reaction, you know, Mikey had a good fist bump last time, but it won't get anywhere near all these reactions. <laughs> Did you see my feet go up in the air? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Holly, yes. Yeah, I, was... I bet you're so annoyed you didn't put the, the video you... recording on. <laughs> so you crumpled in the corner. And <laughs> I still got up and celebrated. No, I was exactly, like, that's exactly how Ollie's going to hey, be. We beat Brentford and Spurs. Exactly. Game. I'm doing an outcrass. I'm getting injured while celebrating. It's fine. It's just my passion, you see. It's my Argentinian passion. Lovely stuff. Well, what a way to end the episode. We've talked about Manchester United and the nil-nil draw there. We've talked about Brentford, that game coming up, Tottenham, and also Ollie with his brilliant celebration of getting the three-man quiz right. Did you at Saints underscore score? If you did, I've been Harry Tiz. I've been joined by Ollie Boast. Thank you very much for listening. Mikey Maidment. Goodbye. I will see you next week to talk about the two games that have just been played. <laughs> Are you okay? No, the pain is worth the glory. The, <laughs> the, the pain subsides. The glory never fades. I wish there was That's some a... way that we could watch <laughs> that back. The, uh, oh, the fact that that is never going to be seen by us no. again or anyone else. Or, Jay, or not even Jamie's going to be able to see that. No, Jamie's that missed was... that moment. <laughs> <laughs> is that, is that That's my housemate asking me, bro, is everything okay? <laughs> I'm going to spell off my chair. <laughs> So you got to wonder, is that going to beat Jamie nearly burning his apartment down or not? That's, that's, that's the question. That is that's so good. Uh, I'll stop the record.